you know, the example I give is I live in this space of professional hockey players, right? So if I have a professional hockey player who has an MCL sprain, well, because of the MCL sprain, he's probably gonna have some pain. And he's probably gonna have some level of inflammation. Well, now he's not playing. So somebody else is playing in his space. So now he's thinking, oh crap, maybe I'm losing, this guy's playing really well. Well, now I'm, I might lose my roster spot to him. So now I have anxiety. So I have pain, inflammation, and anxiety. Well, do you think that guy's sleeping well? Probably not. So yeah. now we had this like seemingly benign, well, he's just got an MCL sprain. Well, yeah, he's just got an MCL sprain, but he thinks that, that's got, that that guy just ate his lunch. And of course now he can't sleep, so he's under-recovered. So now he's actually not really performing that well from a therapeutic perspective. Welcome to the True North Podcast, where we explore the minds of the people who have propelled my career as a professional in the health and fitness space. Join me as I chat with athletes of all varieties, medical professionals, and like-minded individuals to gain valuable insights for how to optimize athletic performance, combat injury, and improve lifestyle mindset. Let's get to it. Thanks for joining in. The True North Podcast is now sponsored by Northwest Custom Sauna. These guys can literally build you whatever you can dream up. They source many different wood species and can create any look and feel that you're looking for. Check out their Instagram page. They have stunning examples of their work and it's just absolutely gorgeous. The benefits of sauna have been well documented in the literature, including improving brain health, inducing better deep sleep, cleansing the skin, and obviously can fight some stress with the best of them. Saunas are one of the best ways to activate heat shock proteins, which make our cells more resistant to damage and to stress. Mention the True North podcast for a wonderful discount. And without further ado, let's get you back to today's episode. All right, welcome to the True North Podcast. Today I have with me Kevin Morley. He is currently the head athletic trainer with the Nashville Predators, which is an NHL team. And having spent the previous 14 years in a variety of roles in the New Jersey Devils organization, uh, the final five years of those years being the head athletic trainer. He's been a certified athletic trainer since 1999, which coincidentally is the same as me, <laughs> and, uh, having spent six seasons with the hockey team at Miami University before joining the Devils. Uh, in addition to his career in hockey, he has spent time with the X Games, both domestic and international, the Great Outdoor Games, and Red Bull North America, working a variety of events, including flugtog and cliff diving. Uh, let's see here. We'll just keep on going. Morley has professional service experience as a part of the BOC exam development, which is our board of certified or board of certification for athletic trainers and uh, the National Athletic Trainers Association Cannabis Task Force. He has presented numerous times at the NATA convention on topics such as functional ankle instability, groin pain in cutting sports, and the current topics related to cannabis in sports, which is what we are gonna be talking about today. Uh, Kevin has a bachelor's degree in health science uh, with a concentration in athletic training from James Madison University, a master's degree in sports medicine from the University of Florida, and a doctor of athletic training degree from Florida 
international international university my yeah. light went out and i had to <laughs> my notes my Hello. light goes on all the time i know that was not in the script Kevo, <laughs> how are you i'm awesome i'm so happy to be here with you this is as close as we get to each other so but i'm happy to be here with you and happy to talk about athletic training and hockey and next games and cannabis and anything else oh my gosh this is going to be a great uh okay so for those of you listening kevin is one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. We have been friends forever, like 20 years or so, would you say? So I was actually thinking about this. So I know exactly where I was when we met because it was my first X Games event ever. And it was in St. Petersburg, Florida. And it was in May of 2000. Holy smokes. Yep. 20, 20, so 23 years. This month is our 23-year friend anniversary. Oh, we're friend anniversary, <laughs> And it's also our birthday month. I'm May 4th. And our birthday month. Jamie's nine days older than me. Yep, nine days older. I am old, saggy boobs compared to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we have been friends forever. We've traveled the world together. I have, yep. no, I have not traveled with a single person more on this planet than with you. Me too. We have gone all over the world with X Games events. We've been a part of each other's weddings. We've been friends while we've grown our families. We love to give each other a ton of crap. Yep. <laughs> but your uh, your friendship has meant a great deal to me over the years. And I'm just really stoked that we finally have made the time to do this. So, yeah, likewise, me too. Thank you so much for having me. And I think, you know, it's like as you know, as your as the seasons of your life change, as we were just talking, like as you know, you know, things become of different levels of importance to you in terms of people in your life. And as much as it's funny, because for probably a good 10 years, we saw each other, especially during the summer, we saw each other all the time. And since then, our lives have changed professionally and from a family perspective and academically and all those things. And we haven't actually seen each other in person in, in forever, certainly 10 years, if not longer. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's always interesting to me to look back at those situations and say, like, Oh, well, that's we've stayed friends because we've committed to staying friends because, you know, your perspective as your practice is so different than mine. I think philosophically your approach to your practice is very similar. And so I think, you know, for that reason, you know, I do value your opinion so much, you know, in terms of like big picture things on how you're approaching, you know, clinical evaluations and treatments and really just kind of the you know, the return to whatever it is people are doing. And so, you know, our, our lives professionally are very different, but at the, when it boils down to it, I think we're really aligned in, a lot, in the way that we kind of approach interpersonal communication and, you know, in, in treatments, so really it's more like a philosophical thing. Like, how do you work with a person? How do you identify what's important to them? How do you identify what they need? And I think for that, that's why, because there's been a lot of people that have come and gone in my life and I'm sure in yours as well during this time, you know, and we've stayed, you know, both professional and personal friends, I think through this because of our similarities, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think you and I just get each other too. Like, I know there's many times when we've just like looked at each other and pointed and we know exactly what we're saying. Right. <laughs> so that's always fun when you have a connection with someone that like, you just get each other and yep. you, you can vent, you can talk about real stuff and, uh, and help each other out too. I agree. And I agree. I get, I've gotten so much great advice from you over the years, whether it's professional or personal. And um, there's very few people on this planet that I like take what they say and apply it to my life and like take it and really 
filter it out and take it objectively. Yeah. And you, you are definitely one of those people for me. So that's very kind of you. Thank yeah. You. Well, thanks for being a rock in my life. Yeah. And, uh, this is, this is going to be fun. I know. <laughs> well, cool. Well, today we're going to talk about cannabis or and CBD and all the things pertaining to that, which you have become quite a little expert in, and you've done lots of presentations on that. Yeah. So uh, to start us out, can you just help us understand the anatomy of what cannabis is, like the marijuana plant, how CBD and THC are separated, and just give us an overview of what we're even talking about today. Yes, and this is perfect. Um, <clears throat> place to start I think, when I have these conversations with people it's like this you know hamster wheel of their brain where they're like I don't even know what questions to ask and I'm like dude I didn't know what questions to ask either so it really doesn't matter where you start but this is a great place to start and so um you know I think the first thing so we have to go over a little bit of nomenclature and just kind of clear the air on like what means what and what terms are synonymous and what aren't and so um in general, I'll use I'll use the words cannabis, marijuana. I, I generally don't use the term weed, but you know, cannabis, marijuana, weed. Like, I'm gonna say that those are all the same thing. Now, all the like botanists and chemists and stuff, and you know, marijuana you know, experts are gonna say you know, cannabis and marijuana are not exactly the same thing. Okay, so they're right from a true like you know agricultural perspective they're not but for the purposes of our discussion they're the same so let's just so cannabis and marijuana are the same thing let's just agree on that and we're talking about the plant that's the plant, right. like the actual plant now what's different is and this is this is like probably i'm going to give you your i, I shouldn't do this i'm going to give you your take-home message at the beginning so hopefully it's a teaser and so people stick around so <laughs> what people need to understand is hemp and so Hemp is different. So hemp is also a plant and it looks to the naked eye or to most people, hemp and cannabis or hemp and marijuana look exactly the same. The difference is the content of THC. So THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, delta-9 THC specifically, THC is what gets you high. So high or psychoactive or whatever word you want to use to describe that, <clears throat> that's because of THC. So in 2018, so there's this thing called the Farm Bill, and Congress revisits the Farm Bill seemingly whenever they feel like it. It's not really on a, a normal cadence from what I can tell. Interestingly enough, they're actually revisiting the Farm Bill kind of sort of now. So when we get this whole debt ceiling thing figured out, they're going to turn their attention to the Farm Bill. So there will be a Farm Bill of 2023. And so we're just, it's really just kind of like clarifies what's legal and what's not, and you know, based on agricultural trends and things like that going on at the time. So right now, we're still working on the Farm Bill of 2018. And in 2018, the Farm Bill said any plant that has less than 0.3% THC is hemp. Anything that has more than 0.3% THC, and this is in dry weight, to be clear, is considered cannabis or marijuana. So hemp and marijuana, the difference is the THC content. So hemp can have a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of THC in it. Marijuana can have as much THC in it as the farmers can kind of crossbreed and as much as they can get. I know very little about cannabis. So all the different strains, cannabis sativa versus cannabis indica, how those are different, how they were alike, 
all the different strains of it. They all have these like, you know, funny names and stuff. I can tell you very, very little about those. I have really no like philosophical problem with them. Um, <clears throat> I know people in pro sports, of course, are using cannabis. People in the government are using cannabis. Like people are using cannabis all over the place, irrespective of the laws in their state, irrespective of what their mom says, irrespective of what their wife, partner, spouse says. Right. So, but because of, you know, what I do and the reason why I got interested in this in the first place was because people in sports were talking about CBD all the time. And I was like, what the heck is CBD? And so I knew that it had something to do with marijuana and that's all I knew. And so that's why I started kind of going down this rabbit hole and that's how we got together today. Yeah. And being in professional sports. Yes. uh, You got to be abreast of the situation for sure. Yes. And so here's, so this matters for a variety of reasons. And so so let's take the the cannabis part out of it because I know a little bit about it, but that's really not my expertise. And so in this in the hemp space, so again, we just decided that hemp is a can it comes from the cannabis plant, but it has less, it is, it is, you know, is bred to have farmed to have less than 0.3% THC. So anything that meets those criteria are hemp. And so people will use, excuse me, manufacturers will use hemp. Like you can you can find hemp derived everything. So what I'll talk about mostly is obviously the products from like, you know, the oils, the gummies, the topicals, the, those types of things. There's hemp pillowcases, there's hemp intimacy products, there's hemp t-shirts, like there's hemp derived everything. So, you know, you can make your own decisions on how, you know, what type of utility that has. And that's kind of really a separate conversation too. I think in the sports medicine space that you and I live in, you know, what's, what's the, what's the safest to talk about. And I don't mean safety from like a medical perspective, safety. I mean, safety in terms of like, you're not going to really break any rules is all is hemp products. So hemp is legal everywhere. It doesn't matter what state you're in. Hemp is legal everywhere. And so <clears throat> in the cannabis space, that's not true, right? So every state has very, very different separate and distinct laws pertaining to cannabis. And so in cannabis law, we have what's called recreational use, meaning I'm using it because I feel like it. And then, of course, there's medical use, meaning my physician has prescribed it to me for a variety of different reasons, depending on the indications that I've brought to him or her with whatever I've gone to this, my, you know, the a medical marijuana physician for whether it's pain, anxiety, sleep disorder, whatever. Um, if you're in a if you're in a medical state, then they can prescribe you cannabis and you go to a dispensary and you get it. And so. That's kind of, we're kind of looking at it, I guess, in, in, in three different ways. There's the cannabis stuff, there's the, you know, medical use, there's recreational use, and then there's the hemp. And the hemp space is really the space that I live in because in the sports paradigm, um, you know, people may or may not want the psychoactive properties, but, you know, I live in Tennessee currently, there's no uh, recreational or medical use in Tennessee. And so... Um, you know, those are kind of the, the guidelines we live under, but you have to be smart or you have to be mindful of the fact that if I'm going to come visit you in Montana, I don't actually know the laws in Montana, but you know, if I'm flying for, let's say, and I'm flying through Salt Lake city to connect to Bozeman or great falls, well, I have a hunch that there's not a lot of legal marijuana use in Utah. Right. So now I have to consider the laws in Tennessee and Utah and Montana. So it gets really complicated. And so because I live in an environment where I'm traveling all the time. I go to Canada quite frequently. Um, sometimes I'm in Europe. And so, you know, it's just too clunky. 
And so what's really, really saved us is, is to stay in the hemp space. So gotcha. really long answer to that question, hemp is a, comes from the cannabis plant and it's bred to have less than 0.3% dry weight THC. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense because like in the National Athletic Trainers Association, like you can take your practice with you as right. you travel in the environment that you're in. Right. Um, but yeah, but with you traveling to other countries and stuff as well, I can see how that can be pretty tricky. Right. Got it. Okay. So you're in the hemp space. Yes. So do you get CBD. So yeah. So let's talk about the CBD component and what okay. you're Okay. Very good at. So in the, in the hemp plant, uh, <clears throat> you have these different molecules, <clears throat> excuse me, called cannabinoids. So cannabinoids are, just think about cannabinoids as being, you know, these little molecules floating around inside the hemp plant, right? And all the botanists are going, oh my God, I can't believe it's described it that way. But this is like what I think, you know, people <laughs> need to, just, let's just think about it this way. Cause I think just conceptually, it's the easiest um, way to think about it is that there's all these cannabinoids in the hemp plant. Now, what's interesting is that there have been over 120 separate and distinct cannabinoids isolated in laboratory conditions. CBD is one of them. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot. Now, what we have to consider is the availability. Like some of them are in, you know, really, really, really microscopically small amounts. So now you're thinking about it from a manufacturer perspective, like, well, that's hard to get out. It's not like you're sitting in the tweezers pulling out little molecules, right? Like it's a little bit more complicated than that. So the, what you hear about in the cannabinoid space is the two most prevalent cannabinoids and easy to get are THC and CBD. So those oftentimes referred to as the major cannabinoids. So those have been, I, I don't even want to say they've been around the longest because obviously they've all been around the same amount of time. They've really just been kind of discussed for the longest. THC was pretty exciting when people found out about that because they found out they could get high from it. CBD was one of the other molecules that they found was having a lot of utility in addressing a lot of different medical pathologies and was really helping people in a variety of different ways. So CBD is just one of the cannabinoid molecules in the hemp plant. It actually lives in an acidic form. So it's actually CBDA, which is cannabidiolic acid. So the A is just refers to the acidic form. Um, and then over time, when it's exposed to either time, temperature, UV light, it there's this enzymatic cascade in the plant that turns it into, or it turns into CBD. And so there's a variety of ways that manufacturers will get CBD from a plant. It's called decarboxylation. And so there's a couple different ways that companies will do it, um, which is, you know, kind of proprietary and probably not really that important for the purposes of this discussion. But um, CBD is, apart from THC, CBD is the cannabinoid molecule in the plant that is the most readily accessible and is the one that is certainly the most visible in terms of in you can buy it at GNC, you can buy it at Target, depending on where you live, right? Like you can, it's very, very accessible. Um, and provided that it's hemp, um, you know, it's going to be legal everywhere. Got it. Okay. So can I ask this? I hope this doesn't derail <clears throat> anything, yep. but what, what I was interested in too, like with the CBD versus the THC. So the THC, why it's psychoactive, right? Is it binds to nerve receptors? Yeah to create these head and body sensations and mm -hmm. why CBD doesn't is it doesn't bind, right? So it's not a binding. Um, it doesn't bind to the nerve receptors. So there's, so 
we, let's pause for a second and talk about the endocannabinoid system. Okay. So when we were in school and probably when anyone was in school that's listening to this, we were not taught about the endocannabinoid system. Nobody was because it's not that it didn't exist, but it wasn't really described until the eighties, which is wild. So can you imagine, like we're talking about a major body system. Like it's like, it's like discovering skin. Yeah. That's a big, yeah. Like, you know, like your integumentary system, your musculoskeletal system. So CBD was first isolated in the 40s. It wasn't really described until the 60s. And nobody really cared about it because they'd also found THC around the time. And THC was making everybody high and CBD wasn't. So they said this THC stuff is way more fun. <laughs> so there's this researcher, this guy named Raphael Meshulam, uh, who's in Israel and actually just died like within the last two months, maybe. Um, and he is like the father of everything, cannabis and cannabinoid. And so he, I think he was 92 when he died. And like I said, he just died very, very recently, which was a really big deal in this space. And so he was the first one to really describe the endocannabinoid system. And so basically what the endocannabinoid system boils down to is uh, a system of receptors often described. We really talk about two major receptors, CB1 and CB2. There probably are others, but they haven't really been as well described or isolated. So for the purposes of this discussion, CB1 and CB2 are really only important ones to really talk about. Um, they're located throughout the body. And for a long time, there was some discussion about CB1 was located, um, you know, kind of was really um, heavily located in one part of the body and CB2 is more peripheral. And then there's kind of been some, we've backtracked that a little bit. And now we're thinking that maybe it's not really necessarily as much in the gut. And so cannabinoid, cannabinoid receptors, CB1 and CB2 are located throughout the body. Um, the different cannabinoids um, bind to them with different strengths. And so... Yes, the answer to your question is yes, you've got it correct that THC binds differently than CBD does. Um, further, what you need to understand is that we have, so endocannabinoid, we have cannabinoid, there are endogenous cannabinoids in our body. Everybody has an endocannabinoid system. It doesn't matter if you've ever seen marijuana or not. Everybody has an endocannabinoid system. Everybody has endocannabinoids. Everybody. And so there's two pause for just a second, Kevin. Sorry. Can you just define an endocannabinoid? Endocannabinoids meaning endo meaning internal endogenous to your body. So they're already in your body. You already have these molecules, these neurotransmitters in your body, and it has nothing to do with cannabis. Your endocannabinoid system, I liken it to the endocannabinoid system really ties tightly in with the concept of homeostasis. And so oftentimes I refer to the endocannabinoid system as like your homeostasis restoration system. So deviations from homeostasis will trigger the effects of or trigger the mechanisms with action of your endocannabinoids. There's two endocannabinoids that are the most commonly discussed. One is called, one is 2-AG and one is called anandamide. Anandamide, um, the term anandamide is comes from the Sanskrit word for bliss. So they'll often call it the bliss molecule. So if we think about deviations from homeostasis and all of the things that deviate your body from homeostasis, we start thinking about things like inflammation and stress and anxiety and things like that. So your, your body responds to those things, right? And so sometimes in a disordered way and sometimes in a healthful way. And so the reason why so many people, you know, I, I, I chuckle because people will say, you know, 
CBD, you know, it's this magical potion that cures everything. And I'm like, well, no, it's not. Nothing's a magical potion and nothing cures everything. And I hate it when people say that because I think it minimizes how powerful, because I automatically stop listening. When you tell me you have something that fixes everything, I stop listening to you. It's like, yeah. stop, brain off, ears off, earmuffs, right? So I hate it when people say it because it's not true. But what, what is interesting to me is if you kind of unpack those statements a little bit, you realize why people are saying that. And it's because... You know, so much of our deviations from homeostasis or from a homeostatic state, in in my mind, are secondary to inflammatory processes, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about, like, obviously, you and I both work in slightly different ways, but we both work in the sports medicine space. So I'm not talking just about, like, ankle sprains, like, that's inflammatory, right? Rotator cuff pathology, that's inflammatory. I am talking about that, but not only that, because there's so many other, you know, IBS is an inflammatory system, pathology, right? At some level, cancer is inflammatory and, you know, unregulated cell growth is at some level inflammatory. Concussion has an inflammatory cascade. So when we think about inflammation, you know, I I always say that inflammation is the root of all evil. And I think in the sports world, it really largely is. But I think even if we extrapolate that to the general population, you know, inflammation is, you know, is really involved in a lot of the things that ail us and what deviate us from homeostasis. And so when we can, when we have products, CBD and other ones like it, that have anti-inflammatory capabilities and, you know, in in effect that the um, endocannabinoid system, and they can help return us to that more homeostatic state. That's why a lot of things, um, a lot of pathologies or a lot of ailments are, they're not magically going away. It's because we've affected the system that has a direct correlation with or direct power over our homeostatic state. Yeah. Does that and make like, sense? Yeah. And so inflammation to me too, and we could go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to not do that, but like inflammatory is necessary. Like I've, yeah. I've, I, I take a little issue with having you know, people just demonize inflammation because it is right. the injury cycle. It's the start of it. We need it. It has to happen. Yep. Um, but I totally understand what you're saying because it's we we have to equalize it at some point. Yes. And that's where a lot of people are in this chronic inflammatory s- situation where I think is where the problem comes into. Would yeah. you agree with that? Okay, I would agree. And um, and I was laughing because it's been a little while, but I listened to your episode with Gary Reinald from yeah. <laughs> I've known Gary for years and he's, awesome. and, and he's I mean, he, he gets himself into these conversations. I just laugh because he's so passionate, but he's, you know, I agree with, you know, I mean, I suppose there's very few people that I agree with everything that they say, but I agree with Gary, like conceptually, you know, and the, the whole ice is for the ice age thing. Like what, my practice isn't, there's not a lot of ice involved in my practice. Um, I think that the inflame and actually Tom Kaminsky at any who's a who was my uh, program or who was my um, advisor at Florida many moons ago for for my um, my master's thesis and he's been at Delaware for quite a while now. Um, Tom Kaminsky did this talk at NATA and got everybody all riled up and really did a lot of you know really talked about a lot of the same things that Gary talks about and you know and Tom talked about you know, the, the cast, the inflammatory cascade and how we have been demonizing it for so long and, you know, rest, ice, compression, elevation. And I'm like, ah, ice is fine. But like, I really like the compression part a lot. I really like the exercise part a lot. Like let's, let's redo this rice thing, you know, not against ice necessarily, but I do, I I agree with you completely is that 
the inflammatory process is there for a reason. Like there's chemical things that have to happen as a result of the inflammatory process. We want them to happen. I don't want to interrupt that process. I might want to facilitate it, but exactly. I really don't want to interrupt it because it's a necessary evil. And so if we just kind of give it to God and understand that this is going to happen, maybe I'm kind of impatient. And so I want to make it happen a little bit faster. I don't really want to stop it. Like, let's just get this going a little bit. And so, you know, in my practice, I, you know, like you, I do a lot of dry needling. We do a lot of fascial manipulation. We do a lot of manual therapies that, that, that are not trying to completely stop and halt the inflammatory process. We're saying, Hey, this needs to happen. So let's acquiesce to that and let's allow it to happen. And let's, uh, let's see if we can make this a little bit more kind, right? Like yeah. let's, let's, let's speed this up. Let's make friends with this and let's allow this to happen and allow these, all the different chemical things that are happening. Um, you know, let's let them happen and facilitate them so we can move this forward. Yeah. With all the manual therapies that you and I utilize, we're providing an optimal environment for our body to heal itself essentially is how I like to describe it to my clients. It's like, we're, we're not trying to change things or like abrupt stop or hard stop anything. We're just trying to facilitate your body to just heal itself and do its thing. Right. So, I mean, like, you know, your friend and my good friend, Sue Falsoni, big plug says, you know, that the, the basis of her practice is, and I hope I don't butcher this, but I, she says the basis of her practice is to restore and maintain the homeostatic balance of her patients. And I'm like, that's why you're really smart because I agree completely. And you just took like everything I believe and put it into one sentence. And I'm not nearly smart enough to ever do that, but I will absolutely copy it as long as I give her credit. And so the great Sue Falsoni, everybody yeah, look her up. She's fantastic. Look her up. So, you know, and I agree. And so there's only so many things that we can affect and change in the human body. And I think when we give that to God and understand that, we are all limited. And so there's only so much we can do, but we're going to work within the paradigm or work within the confines or the guardrails that are set forth by this person's body and whatever pathology it is that they're battling. Then I think we're, then we're better together, you know? And so that's kind of our, that's my kind of approach philosophically. Um, and that's why I found, you know, the cannabinoid products to be so beneficial because they, you know, I, I, I do, I did say before, and I will say that they have anti-inflammatory properties. But when I, when I say that, I, I don't mean that they're facilitating this hard stop and interrupting the inflammatory process. So it's helping just kind of facilitate it and, um, and move it along and get back to that homeostatic balance that everybody seeks. I love it. Okay. So botanists have extracted the CBD and have put it into our availability to use. Yep. Why would we want to do that? So inflammatory, right? We're trying we're trying to return back to homeostasis would be one reason, yep. correct? Yep. What other what other reasons for using CBD have you noticed in your practice with professional athletes? So one of the things that we probably need to a couple of terms that I didn't mention before but are probably important for us to just take a, a quick look at now is the different um the different types of cannabinoid products that you can buy. And when I say, I don't mean the um, delivery method. So delivery method would be like a gummy versus a capsule versus uh, like a tincture, which you put on your tongue. I don't mean that. If you, if or when people are buying a cannabinoid CBD product, they're off, they're more than likely going to be facing the decision of, do I want a full spectrum product? Do I want a broad spectrum product or do I want an isolate? And it's important that people understand the difference between these three because it's a little confusing. I think they could probably could have come up with some better names. Um, isolate is just that. So a CBD isolate means this is only CBD. That's the only thing 
in this package is CBD. Now, Got it. that's great. Um, the problem with an isolate project of any kind, irrespective of the manufacturer, anything like that, is that the bioavailability is relatively low. So you're, you know, you have, you have to take a fair amount to notice a benefit. And I say that a little bit hesitantly because everybody's so different that people will have different experiences. I'll, I'll tell you that you're going to, isolate products are the least commonly found on the market because the, um, you know, the patient status, people don't report as much of a benefit with an isolate as they do with the other ones. So they're not as, you absolutely can buy isolate products. They're just not as prevalent. The broad spectrum and full spectrum. So I told you before that there's 120 something cannabinoid molecules in the cannabis plant. So when you're extracting them, like I said, you're not taking tweezers and picking them out one at a time. So you're often, so you're generally, they're not just pulling CBD necessarily, out of a plant. You're going to get some of the other ones in there too. And so what the difference between a broad spectrum and a full spectrum is the is the amount of THC. Because remember at the beginning, I told you a hemp plant can have a little bit of THC in it. So less than 0.3% THC, it's hemp. So a full spectrum product will have CBD. We'll call it like a CBD heavy product. If you're buying, if you're buying full spectrum CBD, it's going to have CBD, it's going to have a little bit of THC, and it's going to have some other stuff. And I'll come back to other stuff in a second. Broad spectrum is going to have everything I just said without the THC. So it's going to have the CBD, it's going to have the other stuff, but it's not going to have THC. So you have isolate, which is CBD by itself. You have broad, which is CBD and some other stuff. And then you have full, which is everything. Uh, it is uh, CBD plus a tiny little bit of THC and the other stuff. So now the other stuff is probably the secret sauce. Like this is the most important part. You're going to get some of the other minor cannabinoids that I mentioned earlier. I told you there was the majors and the minors. I didn't really talk about the minors at all. So the, the majors, THC and CBD. So, we, so we'll put those aside. The minor cannabinoids. And this is really, really, this gets into a lot of alphabet soup. But as you're looking at things online or if you're in a store or something like that, you'll see kind of the next generation of cannabinoid products that you'll see are going to be CBN, CBG, CBC. Those are the next three that you'll kind of see the most um, frequently if you're, you know, if you're purchasing products. They're all cannabinoids. So they all come from the cannabis and then they all can, they all come from the hemp plant. They're all non-psychoactive. There's some argument that CBN because CBN comes from denatured THC. So some argument that CBN could potentially have some low level psychoactive properties. Overall, that's really not something that's considered very, um, for most people. So you also have these things called flavonoids and terpenoids and so, or terpenes. And so think, think flavor, think smell. And so now we're a little bit in like the aromatherapy area too, right? And so we think of like from a, from like a calming perspective, oftentimes you think of like blueberry, let's say, and then from, um, you know, from a stimulatory perspective, you might think of things like lemon and or, or pine. And so pinene is one. And so there's flavonoids and there's terpenoids and that, that are all, that all live in these plants. And then there's the minor cannabinoids that live in these plants too. So now we have to talk about the entourage effect. So the entourage effect is just what you think that word means. It's everything together. The entourage effect says that this is the we're better together part. This says that CBD, if you take CBD isolate, you may have a benefit depending on what it is that's ailing you because it's going to help in that, that endocannabinoid system. 
However, CBD plus a little bit of THC, now we're adding in some of the flavonoids, some of the terpenoids. Now the effect is even magnified. And so that's why they call this the entourage effect. And so most of the products that you see on the market will be broad or full spectrum because they're gonna offer the benefit of the entourage effect. And if I'm a company selling a product, I wanna sell you a product that's gonna have the most benefit because I want you to buy it again. And so that's why the isolates, there's nothing wrong with isolates at all. The, as a generalization, the benefits seem to be less for most people than people who take a full, a broad or full spectrum product. So that's what, that's what companies are selling. And so you'll see sometimes, you know, if you'll see a, a, a you'll, you'll want to buy a full, a broader full spectrum CBD product and they'll have different strengths and different dosages, which can get confusing. And then sometimes they'll even have seeming like different flavors. And that's wise because some, especially CBN as an example, a lot of times well, blueberry is really popular in the CBN space. And that's because CBN as a denatured form of THC, CBN, this is conflicting. CBN helps a lot of people sleep. And so it's not a sedative, but I'll say it again. CBN helps a lot of people sleep. Now, the studies on this are actually like really, it's not even that they're conflicting. They're just really inconclusive. Is that hasn't really been a lot of scientific support to CBN helps people sleep. But anecdotally, I'm here to tell you CBN helps a lot of people sleep. And so as my friend Jeff Conan from FIU and a variety of other places says, an N of one plus an N of one plus an N of one plus an N of one. I get it. It's just an N of one. It's essentially a case study. Like we're not getting into the Lancet or the Journal of Athletic Training with an N of one. But when you have 10 of those, 100 of those, 1,000 of those, if you tell me that CBN helped you sleep, then I don't necessarily care to what extent that's been described in the literature. Like the nerdy part of me and probably the nerdy part of you wants to know that, that part, right? But if, if you have a patient or a client that comes in and says, Jamie, I'm really, I'm having all, I'm having a variety of problems and you're treating them for MSK things and maybe some wellness things and just acupuncture points and all that stuff that you're already doing. And then, you know, and then they, you know, you recommend, or they choose to, you know, to try a CBN product and they tell you, Jamie, like I haven't slept this one well six months or six years. You're thinking, I don't, as long as this is safe, like I don't really care why this is helping somebody sleep. Right. So CBN helps a lot of people sleep. Um, so I think the take-home message, and I'm sorry, that's kind of a long answer, a really basic question, but the, 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 the hard part here for me, and I know you, and so I know the hard part for you would be the same. And that is, I cannot tell you how this product is going to affect you. Isn't that the worst? Like, I know that if you take one Vicodin, I know what's going to happen. I know that if you take two Tylenol, like pretty much in an adult person, like I know what taking two Tylenol is going to do. And I can, I mean, almost promise you, right? right. So with these products, because everybody's, they call it your endocannabinoid or your uh, your endocannabinoid tone, because everybody, the, the tone, their endocannabinoids, everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. And so everybody has one, but your endocannabinoid tone is different. And so how the same product at the same dose will affect me and will affect you very likely will be different. And that's annoying from the clinician part of me that wants to give you, like you just poured your heart out to me and told you all these things that are ailing you and you can't sleep and you have, you know, gut issues and poor bowel health and all these things. And I want to help you. And I'm saying, well, here's, you have to spend 50 bucks or hundred bucks on this product because I don't have it and I can't hand it to you. So you have to go buy this and it might help you, but it might not. And if it right. doesn't, then we're just going to like go pick a different one. And so there are some profiles where, 
and you can find this all online if you Google, you know, what are the effects of CBC? What are the effects of CBN? There are some kind of broad profiles where people, where you can get a general idea of how a product, you know, generally affects people. These are all very, very generalized statements. So it's really very person specific, which, you know, I'm always like, I, I don't work for any specific company. I have some companies that, you know, I, I, I like because I like, you know, the way that they extract their product and I think they have good product, but I'm not, you know, I'm not on retainer with anybody, so I'm not pushing anything. Um, but, you know, so I can give you some advice, but, you know, it really is a very personal choice and it's very person specific how it will affect you. Yeah. That's what I've found both personally and like you're saying, recommending it to other people. Because yeah, yeah. some of the products that have worked for me, like I've been working with this company called Impactive. It's yeah. a roll on. It has like some, <clears throat> has 500 milligrams CBD, but it also has uh, some essential oils and stuff that are in there with the carrier, with the, with the, with the roll on. Yep. Anyway, it has worked wonders for me. And I've yep. tried sublingual CBD. I've tried a bunch of other types of just CBDs, just, for my own personal, yeah. you know, training and whatever, and joint pain, whatever you want to call it, yep. um, and have had zero results. But for whatever reason, this roll-on, and I now carry it at my clinic just because it's worked so well for me, yeah. um, has worked wonderful for muscular situations. So, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just so different. And then I've had some people take some sublingual stuff and they'll swear by it and say it's yeah. like the best thing they've ever done in their whole life. Yep. So, yeah. So the N of one thing, uh, case study situations. I I just made a note for the CBN though for myself because I have been having a horrible time sleeping. Yep. And you know me, I am disciplined. I discipline yeah. my time to sleep, time to wake. Yeah. Nutrition, hydration, all these sorts of things. And for whatever reason, I am just having a rough go. So I am going to try the CBN. <laughs> Please do. And, and see and see how that helps. So I will give you another N of one. Soon. Okay, perfect. perfect. <laughs> all right. So there is some uncertainty around CBD in sport. Um, so what's the science staying or what are, like what's what's going on in the professional sports world, even if we want to get into the NCAA and stuff like what are the rules for people who are competitive and like for me, I'm in weightlifting, so yep. I get drug tested. Yep. Uh, other people are getting the same thing in professional and in collegiate sports. What's what's the going rate right now? in cannabis and sport or not cannabis, CBD right. and sport. Well, so I'll answer that for both. So, I mean, the in with cannabis specifically, um, every different, I work in the NHL, obviously, as you mentioned. And so the different sports leagues all have their own rules. And so, um, and it can be a bit of a moving target where they're changing the threshold that would consider, that would constitute a positive test, or they're changing whether or not they're even testing for it at all. So, um, check the different league specific. I don't, I don't want to comment on what other leagues are doing because I think I know, but if I screwed up, I'm going to get all these people yelling at me on LinkedIn or something. So I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> um, the NCAA recently raised the, the threshold and I don't have the number in front of me anymore, but it was a monster increase. So the threshold for a, for a positive marijuana drug test in the NCAA it was just increased, I think, last summer, and it increased like five or tenfold. I mean, it was like this incredible, like exponential increase to the extent that you would have to be a really, really heavy cannabis user to test positive. Further, 
the penalties were largely academic, meaning, you know, you weren't going to, you know, necessarily be suspended from competitions. You would be given, um, you know, some educational materials about cannabis and how, you know, nothing is without and nothing is without risk. And there are some, um, you know, there actually are some studies coming out that can that talk more more scientifically about um, the effects on performance of cannabis use. So it might, whether it's illegal, you know, let's pretend that you're in a state where it's legal and whether it's legal or illegal in your governing body or not, if it's having an effect on your performance, then you might want to kind of give your head a shake, right? And make a, make a better decision about what you're choosing to you or with what regularity and things like that. So in terms of the cannabinoids, CBD and things like that, the problem here is this is really largely an unregulated market. And so in the pro sports paradigm, really one of the big issues is what can teams provide for their players and what can they not provide for their players? And so in the NHL, that's governed by the NSF. And the NSF is an agency that um, measures or tests the quality and purity of supplements. So until very recently, there were zero NSF approved cannabinoid products, zero. And in the last like, I mean, 12 months, maybe nine months, there are a couple now. And so that means that those have been batch tested repeatedly and NSF, um, the, the rules are pretty tight. Um, they they do a lot. It's very expensive, which is why a lot of companies will choose not to seek NSF testing um, because it's, you know, because it is such a significant expense for them. Um, but the ones that do um, achieve the NSF certified for sport, I could I could buy them today and provide them to my players. And so really, it's a so I mean, so I, at some level, that's a money issue from the company perspective. But I mean, for us, it makes us feel better from a safety perspective. And so the hard part about supplements in general, as I'm sure you live living in the, having lived in the CrossFit and now weightlifting world, like supplements are part of your daily life, right? And so what, so how do you, I mean, I guess I'll ask you this question. I'll turn, turn it back on you and make me the host is how do you pick a supplement? And more importantly, how do you pick a supplement that you feel is clean and safe? Yeah, that's a, uh... <laughs> right exactly right say so, no more right so safe sport um i look for safe sport stuff i can go on um i you know like for weightlifting in particular they have essentially a big long list of all the things that you cannot uh take or have involved into things uh but like so that's cute and all, but like, yeah, if you have, if you go get a supplement, but one of those things happens to be in there, but it's not on the ingredient list, it's a no fault rule in, in anything like it's in your system, it's in your system. Right. So they don't care if you didn't know if it was on the ingredient label or not. Right. Um, so there is safe sport. Uh, I yeah. checked for that label. Uh, that is fairly trusted and some of these other organizations it sounds like i didn't realize that the nhl had all these other organizations too that are testing these products yeah um so there's these different branches that are testing the products right um so i look for that for sure okay. and the other thing i look for is like added ingredients if there's a lot of like 
PEG, polysorbate 80, you know, all these other, you know, sucralose that I can't personally do because it gives me migraines, but like all these other additives, I'm just out. Like if I get creatine, which I do creatine monohydrate, it's the only ingredient is creatine monohydrate. So I try to keep it very, very simple on the ingredient spectrum too, and reputable brands that I know have been vetted by these agencies that you're talking about. Um, And then you hedge your bets because even then you don't really know (laughs) at the end of the day, which is really in the same boat, right? Because, you know, what I tell, you know, because if a player comes in and asks, you know, me or my staff or our, you know, we have a, a, a registered dietitian on staff and then obviously strength coaches. And so, um, if or when they ask us questions about a specific product, you know, the first thing is, is it NSF approved? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, great. If it's not, that's not necessarily the only, if it's not NSF approved, that just means that we can't buy it and provide it for the players. The, you know, what I tell players all the time is you're responsible for what you put in your body, which is really what you just said in different words, right? So if, so, you know, we can look at this product and I can give you some recommendations based on what I'm, what I'm seeing in terms of whether or not this appears to have anything of significant concern, but you're responsible for what you put in your body because you're getting drug tested, not me. So uh, this is a good time to talk about a certificate of analysis. And so in CBD products, what companies will do is, well, it cannabinoid products in general, what companies will do is they will send it out to a third-party lab for testing. And so the document that comes back is called a COA, Certificate of Analysis. So what you want to do is, if you're looking at a product, if you have it in your hand, it'll typically have a QR code on it somewhere. Scan the QR code. It'll take you to that company's website. You do have to kind of hunt around a little bit oftentimes. It's kind of annoying actually um, because it'll take you to this like really long list of like all the COAs from all their different products. And you have to obviously know exactly which product you have. So it's a little clunky typically, but it's worth doing the work because what you want to do is go to the COA for that product. And so if, you know, for all the, you know, if we think about in a medical space, I liken it to your, to the CBC, right? Complete blood count. So if we have a CBC for your blood and it shows you your vitamin A and your vitamin D and your neutrophils and your eosinophils and red count, white count, all those things. Okay. So we look at that and what's in our CBC for our blood, is going to give us a lot of information. Oh, my white count's really high or my iron is really low or what's my vitamin D. And so, and those things are, can be actionable, right? So if we think about the, certificate of analysis, if we think about your COA as the CBC for your CBD, right? Sorry for all the letters. If you think of it that way, your COA is going to tell you what's in the product, which is exactly what you just mentioned was important to you for your creatine and everything else. So number one, does it have a COA? If it does not have a COA, then you should feel shame because you probably just bought a, a product for like seven bucks at the gas station. So throw it away and never buy it again. And you should feel guilty. So second is the COA produced by the company that produced the product. Cause that's not a third party, right? That's like, I just told you that the, the, that what I made was really great and really safe. We haven't even talked about what the COA says. Cause at some level, I mean, it certainly does matter, but most people aren't going to understand everything in a COA the same way. Most people don't understand everything in a CBC. You don't necessarily need to, what you want to look at is, does it have it? Is it from a third party lab? You can, you know, it'll have like this, the, 
you know, some sort of like essentially like notary type of a stamp or signature at the bottom of the person who performed the test or the person who manages the lab. You can do a deep dive into that as much as you want. I mean, I, I think for me, what's important is I check to see if it has a COA. I look at the COA. I look at if there's a, you know, they're, they're going to look for heavy metals, among other things. Um, they'll actually, a lot of times, because this is coming from a plant, they'll have like little insect parts sometimes. Um, and so you want to see, you know, you want to see like ND, none detected. Um, apart from that, if you think you're buying CBD and it shows you that it's like a really, really low percentage of CBD in the product, then it's probably not a great product, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's unsafe it just means that it might not be like the best um you know pure to the best formulation for you but checking the coa is critical in my mind and i tell people to do that all the time so you know the nsf thing is an issue for us in pro sports relative to what we can provide and what we can't it is not necessarily a, a demarcation of safety versus not safety i know anything that has an nsf certified for sport is safe 100 positive of that um, just because something doesn't have it does not mean that it's necessarily a dirty product and it has fentanyl in it. It doesn't mean that at all. It yeah, just it's just that the company hasn't yeah, gone through that process. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And that's the company's choice. I mean, and companies ask me that all the time. And I'm like, well, here's the deal. You know, people will buy your product for sure. It's just a matter of, you know, who's going to buy it and at what level they can, you know, support it and, and, and things like that. So um, it's just a level of credibility. Yep. And especially for people in, in regulated sports um yes yeah for sure so and that's like similar to how i mentioned we were talking about the different states and stuff before you need to know what's legal in your state and the states that you're going to or passing through obviously it's really important you know it's your job to know what's legal in your sport and what's not and so every sport is going to be really different and so i have no idea what's allowed in you know weightlifting or shooting or fencing like they're going to be really different and so mm -hmm. I don't know that. So depending on what level you're competing at, like consider your NGB, consider WADA, consider USADA, like those are all things that need to be on your radar too, just depending on, you know, who the, you know, who's in charge of whatever level you're competing in. Exactly. It's just like as a practitioner with dry needling or any yes. of these other things, like you have to know what your state practice act is. Exactly. All right. Got it. So here's the other thing, question I've got. Sorry, this is a a very complex topic as yeah. you listeners are finding out it's not super easy yeah. but to make it to try to make this a little easier and digestible for people too are there side effects from cbd that happen in a lot of people like i guess you know i've heard some stuff with liver toxicity developmental effects we know there's no addictive potential right with cbd right. because the thc is out right um, but yeah, are you, are you seeing anything in the literature or in your own personal anecdotes that you're seeing side effects with? Yeah. So with the caveat being, obviously I will never claim that something has no side effects. I will never claim like ice has side effects, right? Heat yeah. has side effects. Dry needling can have side effects. So, um, I will never make a claim that something is hundred percent safe, has no side effects. I will say that I have never seen in my practice, albeit limited, and albeit limited to a very, very homogenous group of people, uh, almost exclusively, obviously, I, I mean, I have these conversations with women all the time, but in terms of the athletes that I interact with, um, I do not give them any products, I give them education. And so they make whatever choices they want to make on their own. I don't hand out anything ever. Um, if companies send me samples, I keep them or I give them to my neighbors, but I, I would never, ever, ever bring those to work. Um, 
and that pertains to anything. It has nothing to do with cannabinoid products. So um, in the people that I interact with, I have never had anybody report any meaningful side effects. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. And I think we can leave that there. Perfect. <laughs> Enough said, I think, on that because, yeah, it's it appears to be very, 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 very safe and low risk. Yes. Agreed. Okay. So this is what I tell people is that because people come up to me and they'll say, I want to try this. My buddy tried it. My wife tried it. My partner, my whomever, you know, we haven't even talked about how it can help, you know, pets and all these other things too, right? Like that's another episode. But in terms of, you know, what I tell people, I think kind of if we think about, you know, I started with the take home message and I'll kind of, you know, bring another one up now is that the, the, the recommendation in this space is start low and go slow. So people will say all the time, Kevin, I'm so overwhelmed. There's gummies and there's tinctures and there's gel caps and there's five milligrams and there's 50 milligrams and a thousand milligrams. Like, I don't know which one to use. I don't, even, I don't know which one to take. And then I just throw my hands up in the air and go, I don't understand. I'm just going to do nothing. Right. And I get it because I felt the same way and I even still feel the same way at times. And so what I tell people is in terms of the, the delivery method, all you really need, just use common sense, right? So if you think about the delivery method, so we'll take anything inhaled, you know, cause obviously a lot of these things can be vaped. Inhalation is a real quick delivery method into the bloodstream, right? Something that goes sublingual is gonna be not as quick, right? I think that's just a, some level of common sense. Something that is topical is going to go right on the skin at some level through the skin, but it's fairly local. Um, and then lastly, something that you ingest or like a gel cap, for example, in general, they've manufactured some of them where it can like bypass first pass metabolism, but largely it has to go through your gut. So it's going to take a little while. So the difference in the formulation and the delivery method um, largely is the time until it gets kind of in your system. So let's, so let's take that part out because that's not actually the confusing part. I think the confusing part is the, is, you know, is so I, at some level the product, but also the dosage too. start low and go slow. And so take whatever product it is that you have, let's say you're using one of the tinctures that comes in like one of the eyedroppers, you know, it doesn't, it's good. The, the, the directions are going to be very nondescript because because they can't make any significant medical claims. And so what I tell people is, let's say you start with half of a dropper. Do that for like three or four days. You're going to be your own pilot study. Do that for like three or four days at around the same time of day with, you know, whether it's after dinner or before dinner, it doesn't necessarily matter, but typically it becomes because we're kind of, you know, um, you know, fairly regimented people. Maybe it's before bed. That's an easy time to do it. So maybe you're just taking half a dropper before bed and just notice and you make a note in your phone or put a, something, put a little post-it next to your bed. When I woke up, I felt this way. And do that for three or four days in a row. And if you don't appreciate much of a difference, then maybe go to three quarters of a dropper or a full dropper and try that for a couple of days. And then if you're not noticing a difference, then maybe you would reevaluate the dosage. Maybe there's a stronger product, or maybe you go to one dropper in the morning and one dropper in the afternoon. The, the likelihood that you're going to hurt yourself obviously is never zero, but it is relatively low. And, you know, this start low and go slow paradigm, you'll see that everywhere because it is so person specific. And to contribute to the, you know, I told you the annoying part before is that I, I can, you and I can take the same product and have different effects. It also doesn't seem to have a much of a 
tie to, you know, like BMI or body weight or age or gender or race. Like it doesn't, you know, we, we know that there are certain either foods or medications or products that hits, you know, men versus women differently, certainly kids. And obviously I try to stay away from doing anything with kids um, just because it gets more complicated. But, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be, you know, anything tied to morphology or, or you know, ethnic background, or anything like that. So go pick a product, go start low and go slow. I like it. I like it. So what are the benefits of CBD? What have you seen in your practice to be the best thing? So the, the biggest reason, the, the big buckets are pain, inflammation, anxiety, disordered sleep. So those are the kind of the four big ones. And when I was doing my doctorate at FIU, we were in the process, I was part of a research group that was um, trying to structure some studies around some cannabinoid products, looking at effects in those four spaces. And as you can imagine with public education, major universities, we have some IRB problems that still haven't really been ironed out, which is again, probably topic for, you know, podcast number three that we do, but <laughs> for, for, so I'll leave that part aside. Um, but those are kind of the four big buckets in adulthood. But what I think is interesting, uh, and I had this conversation with somebody recently is that, you know, we, we talk about these things like they're these like isolated um, incidents. And I think like I look at the body from a systems perspective and from like a systems integration perspective. And we can think about it from a, from a musculoskeletal perspective, you know, like, yes, you have an MCL injury, let's say, but we have to consider the fascial system. Like what about the muscles around it? What about the nerves around it? Like there, there's, there's a lot of different things happening here. And so you know, the example I give is I live in this space of professional hockey players, right? So if I have a professional hockey player who has an MCL sprain, well, because of the MCL sprain, he's probably going to have some pain and he's probably going to have some level of inflammation. Well, now he's not playing. So somebody else is playing in his space. So now he's thinking, oh, crap, maybe I'm losing. This guy's playing really well. Well, now I'm, I might lose my roster spot to him. So now I have anxiety. So I have pain, inflammation, and anxiety well, do you think that guy's sleeping well? Probably not. So yeah. now we had this like seemingly benign, well, he's just got an MCL sprain. Well, yeah, he's just got an MCL sprain, but he thinks that that's got, that, that guy just ate his lunch. And of course now he can't sleep. So he's under recovered. So now he's actually not really performing that well from a therapeutic perspective. And, and so, he's not healing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. how do you optimize? Like the big, the biggest performance enhancer there is, is sleep. It's right. totally free. It's totally safe. It doesn't have to be NSF approved. Right. So, but now he's not sleeping. So there's all these things that are getting in the way. And so, you know, it's, it's funny because again, and all of those are deviations from homeostasis. So maybe that person chooses a CBD, CBN, CBG, CBC cannabinoid product, or God forbid they chose cannabis and things are getting better. It's like, well, this cured everything. Well, no, it really didn't at all. You know, like they were all really inter- related and these were all attached to each other so you know we're really treating the whole system not just like i know i get it like we learned it in the school like this is the integumentary system this is the msk system this is the neurological system and obviously no one you have to do it that way so you can learn it but i think sometimes as we go on our practice we realize like the interconnection how everything is so interwoven and that you can't just treat one silo like they're not silos so it's this cobweb right and so that's why I think this has these products for many people have so much utility in treating so much of their body. 
is because it is because there is such this like interwoven cobweb effect of pathology. I love it. And I can, I can't agree more with that. <laughs> <laughs> the systems approach, I feel like just to put the nail in the coffin on what you just said there too, our education is fantastic, right? Like yep. we've, we've gotten some great stuff in education. I think the pin that's missing is that last piece of how all of those systems, as you mentioned, tie together and yep. how they become that cobweb. And we're, so we're left school thinking we've got a diagnosis as a musculoskeletal disorder, as a nerve disorder, as a whatever. Like we've, we're so tied up in diagnosing the problem that we don't see the big picture from that 30,000 view. And that uh, that is where you and I, I think, are very different as practitioners. Um, I think there's few of us out there, but we're growing. And I think it's fantastic to talk with other people like you that see this bigger picture and how like a CBD tincture, ointment, whatever you want to call it, can add to the bigger picture of the person as a whole and not just that MCL sprain, like you said. Yeah. You know, I've, I've worked with, I've worked with some, you know, obviously at this point in my career, our career at our age, at our advanced age, you know, we've worked with a lot of people. <laughs> hey, we're 46. We're not that old. I know. I know. I know. So, um, you know, we've worked with all these, a lot of different people and, you know, I think some people have gotten so focused on, um, you know, which ligament is it? Is it the sem? Is it which hamstring muscle is it? And I'm like, yes. listen, I don't want to yes. be accused of being a reductionist, right? Like I get it. There's multiple hamstring muscles. I can name them all. I can find them all. I can stick needles in all of them. We're good. But I will turn it around and ask you, does it really matter? Like I, cause I'll like, I don't believe that it matters if it's the semi-membranosis versus the semi-tendinosis. That is the sort, like what, what tissue is the issue, right? Like that's what Sue says too. Well, yeah. I'm going to treat all of those tissues because if you tell me that they're acting by themselves, maybe they are, I guess, in this like Florence Kendall manual muscle testing paradigm. Sure. We can try and like turn one on and turn one off and move the foot and hamstring curl and whatever. I will argue that functionally they do not work in isolation. So I don't actually care. And if you want to accuse me of being a reductionist or not understanding the biomechanics or whatever you can, I don't really care because I want to, I want to fine tune and coach and improve functional movements. And those can be hockey specific or not. I don't necessarily care about that either for largely um, because it's the systems approach. And so I want to consider all of the things and not just, well, he has a semi-membranosis strain. Great. Right. And, I'll, and I'll guarantee your athletes and my clients don't give a shit either. <laughs> they just want to feel better. Yes. So at the end of the day, like, yeah, yeah, you can talk them to death with all the anatomy and stuff, but they just want to feel better. So if you show them how to activate their hamstring as a function, as a yes. group, and yes. how to move better or how to open up a hip so that hamstring does function better, right. that's 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 the take-home point, and that's exactly. all that matters. Exactly. Yep. yep. Cool. I have taken a ton of your time. This is fantastic. Um, I think let's leave it there unless you have something – burning and aching that you need to say no uh i mean at our age there's always something aching right <laughs> no i'm kidding uh no i've just had so much fun talking to you and we always have fun talking you know in uh, personally and kind of off the off the grid but this is great and i know you know it's so fun to share 
views with somebody, you know, who is like-minded and has, you know, a, a very clinically different practice, but at the same time, like a largely aligned philosophically. And I think, you know, the barrier to entry for people uh, in terms of all of the cannabinoids are, you know, lack of awareness and just lack of basic knowledge. And I think that that's okay because everybody has that. But, you know, my soapbox has been for a long time that I think we're like a way, way, way over-medicated society. I think we take way too much Ambien. I think we take way too many Z-packs. I think we, I think we take too much medication. And um, this is, in, which is not to say that everything's going to be fixed by CBD because it's absolutely not. And you absolutely need antibiotics for infections and all those things. But I think that there's other ways because we, we didn't we didn't even talk about Pilates and yoga. We didn't talk about breathing. We didn't talk about mindfulness. We didn't talk about any other different therapies that are that they're non-medicinal and non-supplement driven either. So there's all these ways. And I don't pretend to have all the answers. I have very few answers, but I know some things. And so you know, for me, this has been a really powerful area of study because I found, you know, products that I'm really, really confident are really, really safe and help a lot of people. And, you know, and I don't have to worry about like my gut microbiome and all the different things that I get concerned about when taking medications forever. So, you know, I've, I've really had fun, you know, talking with you about this as, you know, as we always do. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we can do it again sometime in the future. Absolutely. And your knowledge on this is extensive. And I very greatly appreciate the <laughs> research and the things that you have done to get your knowledge up to a place where I just get to ask you questions. <laughs> so that's fantastic. I've learned a lot today. Good. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad to have you on. And yes, we'll, we'll do it again sometime for awesome. sure. All right, Kevin, one last thing. How can yeah. people find you? So I'm, my, my social game is pretty weak. I will say, um, if you want to see pictures of my dog, I'm on Facebook, but, um, that's pretty much all you're going to get, but no, I am on LinkedIn. I'm not super active, but I do post some things periodically. Um, I'm reasonably private on the other side. I don't have an Instagram page or anything, but LinkedIn I'm there and I'm happy to, you know, if people have questions about products or companies or any of the different, you know, formulations and stuff, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I do know some things. And if I can't find an answer, I can probably connect you with somebody who can. Um, so happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. That's the best way. Perfect. Yep. And if any of you guys have questions, you can DM me or get a hold of me and I will connect you with Kevin too. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Thanks, J Mac. All right. I love you, Kevo. You're the love best. You. And we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye bye. bye. Thank you for joining in to the True North Podcast. I hope you had as much fun listening as I did recording and that you found a few takeaway points you can incorporate into life to help further your goals. Stay focused, stay disciplined, always lift the heavy box and become harder to kill. Until next time, this is Jamie Hustis signing off with a big virtual high five and a catch you on the flip side. <laughs>